Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. So it's, it's Norwegian. <gasps> right. Um, so you don't pronounce the j or the d so it's eusta that's such a cool name it's nice for a change <laughs> i have never met anybody with that surname so that is very cool apart from my fa- obviously like my husband's family up north in the highlands i don't think there are any other eustas in scotland and i don't think there are many in england either gorgeous actually sounds quite like gallic or something as well though well it's funny you say that because there are a lot of links between Scots, well, Scottish languages, maybe not Scots, I might have said yes. the wrong thing there, but Scottish languages and Norwegian, for example, they say bra for good, which sounds like bra. Yeah. They say kirke for church. No way. Yeah. So I think they're, I think you're onto something there. Ah, I think there is language. some, yeah, languages are fascinating. And you think about Tor, my husband is from Shetland. Right. So you think about that makes sense that Shetland's halfway between Norway and the Highlands. So uh, you think about that, the kind of people, the movement between people, there's obviously been a language sharing. I love, I love a wee bit of education. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Well, we have started recording and I, and I always love uh, a bit of a casual start, but um, I'm delighted to be joined by the lovely Hannah Yusta and Hannah and I know each other, which is a total, like, every time I start this podcast, I'm usually saying, so I don't actually know this person, because the joy of podcasting is you get to meet new people, but I have actually met Hannah in real life and worked with her (laughs) many moons ago, Hannah, many moons ago. Many moons ago. And um, Hannah is the Executive Director of Glasgow Connected Arts Network, also known as Glasgow Can. Correct. So I knew of Glasgow Can very little, actually, if I'm if I'm being totally honest. So I'm delighted you got in touch and um, didn't know that that's what you were now doing, Hannah. So that's lovely. So in a nutshell, obviously we'll go into more detail, but what would be like your elevator pitch for Glasgow Can? So, yeah, Glasgow Can is a network organisation based in the city centre and it has a membership of close to 300 organisations and freelance creative practitioners but it's free to join which is great but you have to have a participatory arts practice or an interest in developing a participatory arts practice so as far as I'm aware we um, are one of the only networks in Scotland of which there are many as you can imagine who focus specifically on participatory arts and the sort of professional development of it as a sector as well as being a support agency for its members so that's my elevator pitch that was spot on perfect (laughs) if you were on dragon's den you would have nailed that (laughs) although they wouldn't they wouldn't be interested in investing in glasgow can because they certainly wouldn't make any money out of it so (laughs) uh, (laughs) they would have to be feeling mighty generous that day i think to give us any maybe. money. I think, though, you were very convincing there. All the stuff you said there was all very positive. So I think maybe you would have won the hearts of maybe. who appreciate the participatory arts. Yeah. And what was interesting for me was 
I was freelancing. I'd had a baby and I was freelancing as a theatre in the community practitioner, which is obviously how we know each other, teaching uh, young people in the community. And um, it was a colleague of mine said, look, this job's come up. And she used the phrase participatory arts. And actually, at the time, it wasn't a phrase that I really used. I used the phrase community arts because I did I studied community arts back in the day at Strathclyde so I was a bit flummoxed because one I had never been involved in or ran a network and I didn't know what it was or what it was for and also this was a kind of phrase that I wasn't sure about either but I was really interested in what she was saying and was interested in the opportunity and so went for it and got it which was great but it was a big learning curve for me what she was actually referring to if that makes sense. Yeah of course do you know it's not a phrase that I use very often but throughout this lockdown isolation COVID-19 mentalness that we're in the you know in the middle of I've realized that me personally that is where the joy is for me and in my art is the participation with others connecting with others and doing what I love to do with other people you know until last night actually um I haven't danced much well on lockdown um which I was a bit concerned about at first but I was like I think it is because most of what I do is with other people so going back to your kind of background you you were saying that you studied community arts because when you emailed me you were saying that there's no longer that like the degree that you did that no longer exists yeah it doesn't exist in Scotland. So the when Strathclyde, so it was Strathclyde University, and it was there for decades, and it was a great course because it was at Jordan Hill, which was the education campus at the time, yeah. and you were you could do it at college as well first, or some people just did it at college and they axed that because obviously some of my friends had you know maybe done the HNC or the HND first. Um, and what one of the things that was good about it was that it was vocational. And for me, that's where the gap lies. So I'm supporting a network at the moment of some great artists who maybe come out of Glasgow School of Art or the Conservatoire, and they have a passion or an interest for working in the community, but they have absolutely no training in it. Whereas I came out of university, maybe not actually having spent that much time focusing on my own arts practice, Because that's not what was important. What was important was who you were working with and why and how to approach adapting your practice for different client groups and how to write a good workshop plan, how to do a spreadsheet, how to apply for funding. And the theory, we did this amazing course um, with Dr. Paul Dougal, who's still kicking around, um, called Cultural Theory. And that was my favourite class at uni. Every week we would sit there and we would learn about theory of culture in communities. And all of that is missing in Scotland. And so it's it's a bit of a passion project of mine to um, start or collaboratively start some kind of course again at one of the institutions. Um, I'm a long way off at the moment, but a colleague of mine are starting to put together a kind of curriculum at the moment because we both studied community arts back in the day and um, both feel really passionately that there's a gap. It totally resonates because people that I've spoke to on the podcast, you know, that have been to art school say that, that they felt like, you know, they had all the time in the world to, to work on their particular art form, but didn't feel instructed in how to then make that into a career and how to connect with people. So that's a big, although there isn't necessarily a university or college course at the moment, it has become a big purpose of Glasgow CAN. 
So one of the things that I've set up and um, established funding through Creative Scotland over the past year and a bit is a professional development programme. So you, you join for free and then each month there is a training opportunity and it's all based around just the kind of things that I just talked about. So working in the community, how to apply for funding. I did a funding webinar for the first time the other day, uh, which was quite nerve wracking, but it went well. Um, so we're trying to fill some of those gaps. Mm. Social media, that is a big training need. As you'll know yourself, it really varies how savvy people are with social media. And you, you might be the best glass artist in the world, but that doesn't mean that you know how to promote yourself or even feel comfortable promoting yourself on social media or feel comfortable with particular platforms and understand what particular platforms are for and who they can reach. So we've been working with an amazing uh, organisation called the Third Sector Lab and they have provided social media training on quite a regular basis for our members and that's been our most popular one. And it's also helped me because I've got to admit, I didn't come into the arts to be some kind of online digital social media guru. But I've become one because I've had to. Yeah, yeah, we've all had to really, you know, just embrace it. If You know, like you say, you, you don't necessarily, it's not necessarily everyone's go-to, but it, it is a great way to promote what you're doing. It really is, and, and quite often a free way to exactly. promote what you're doing. And now it's the only way at the moment that we have. I know, but we're all getting into trouble for being on our phones too much and being on social media too much, but I think now we're like, well, it's a bit of a lifeline. Exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, we are plugging the gap for the kind of professional development for individuals and for organisations. Kind of half our membership pretty much is freelance artists and the other half is smaller organisations who um, are really struggling in this very, very difficult financial climate well before any of this happened, relying on project funding, finding it more and more difficult to get core costs funded um, and a lot of pressure to generate your own income as well, which can be very, very difficult for a small kind of social purpose-based arts organisation. So uh, Glasgow Can's there to offer as much kind of training and support. And the other thing that I offer, which I really enjoy, is one-to-one support surgeries. Oh, nice one, right? So you can, yeah, you can book in. So say you're wanting to find funding for a project or you um, are just struggling with a project or you're actually just feeling really socially isolated and lonely and you feel like all you're doing is work, work, work either as a freelance artist or running a small organisation and you actually just want someone to talk to, you can book a surgery with me for about an hour. And it doesn't need to end there. We can have a surgery and then I can help, um, you know, via email or phone call or or anything like that, follow up afterwards. Because I felt, again, there was a gap. There are organisations out there that can offer that kind of support, but it either comes at a charge Mm -hmm. or it's more about being a social entrepreneur. And this isn't necessarily about you know, be an entrepreneur or setting up your own business. It's more about participatory arts. So I've really enjoyed that element of my job recently. And also, that is totally transferred to online. That is still happening. If anything, I'm getting more requests now that people are stuck in their houses than I was when people were out and about. So um, it's a service that I'm able to continue during this pandemic. So that's good. That's amazing. I mean, 
everything that you're doing just sounds spot on. And, you know, as someone who works in the arts, a, a lot of the kind of hurdles are just like a total minefield, you know, and, you know, I've never applied for funding. It's just not something that's been on my kind of radar. I've never needed to. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. I've worked for an organisation who did. And I guess you've got people coming to you from various mm-hmm. points in their career, maybe at the start, maybe in, maybe they've been doing it for for years, but for whatever reason, they need that advice um, and things can just seem like certain tasks can just seem you know all consuming and just like where do I begin exactly and applying for funding so you know again when I was freelancing and things that wasn't something that I particularly enjoyed or maybe was that interested in I did run a community arts charity for a few years in Clydebank uh, 2009 2013 14 chaos community arts open space yes. you might have heard. yes so i was the project manager there and it completely broke my heart because we lost our funding it was a new it was a new charity it was in an area of severe deprivation the work that we did was amazing it will still be you know one of the best kind of yeah. times of my life i'll always remember it very fondly and the people that people that i worked with but funding I found really challenging. So it was my remit to do the funding. I didn't have any experience in it. And, you know, we're talking about needing to bring in about 100 grand a year. And that wasn't mm-hmm. something I, I knew how to do. So it was a learning, a steep learning curve. And what I didn't appreciate, which I do appreciate now, is that funders won't fund you forever. So we got a three-year grant off the lottery and I started post at the beginning of this. So we had a great time for the first couple of years because we had a hundred grand a year Mm. off the lottery just to go and do this amazing work. But then the pressure, I had a meeting with the lottery and it didn't go very well because I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I thought I could just go in and talk to the man and the man would say, oh, the work you're doing is amazing. Here's more money. Also, we were recovering from a financial crash. So there was a lot less money. And I don't think as someone in my kind of mid-20s, I really fully understood that. So we didn't get the money. And I jumped ship, to be honest. I I was so broken. I didn't know what to do. I thought, I'm going to leave before this all comes properly crashing around me. And I remember my colleague, gave me a lift back to my house with my stuff and I just remember sitting in the back of her car and crying <laughs> so that was a period of my life where I learned a lot and looking back I realized I didn't know what I was doing and so I decided to learn mm-hmm. and the only way you can learn is through trial and error so when I then got into producing so I got a job being the producer of a theater based in Port Glasgow they said right you're responsible getting the money in do you know how to do that and I went uh yeah and I was thinking oh my god no I don't I'll figure it out that was it was a good size of project to learn on if you know what I mean because it was just it was a youth theatre it wasn't a big organization so I did that for six months and then and was still freelancing you know all over the country kind of doing theatre-based stuff and then and then this job came up and the great thing about this was that there were already four or five really experienced directors on the board right. and they knew about funding. Great. So I said to them, look, I have some experience. I'm getting better at it, but I'm no guru. And they were like, that's okay. 
we've got this money for the council. This is how it works. But we want to diversify our funding streams. We want to grow. We want to better serve our members. Do you want to be a part of that? I said yes. And I learned really quickly. And the buzz of when I did start to get funding in was like the biggest buzz ever. Of course. That's so, I love how you're honest you are because everyone who's been in your position there is a journey you can't just know everything right away and you have to you have to learn and someone has to teach you and you have to make mistakes and you have to not know everything right at the beginning um and you know somebody coming to you now might see you as a guru but I think it's really important that you're saying I didn't always know and you know and and if you don't know that there's a way to find out you just got to do a bit of digging and a bit of trial and error and you know give it a go and it is a learning curve and I think my biggest tip for anyone that was listening to this, which I didn't realise, is that it's not like an exam. So when I ran Chaos, I felt like it was an exam. I felt like you would spend hours and hours working on something. It was your passion and that you would send it off to this person that you didn't know and you would get a yes or a no. It would be a pass or a fail. Mm. And what I've learned is that a no doesn't necessarily mean no. One, you need to build relationships. So you need to pick up the phone. You need to meet with someone. You need to, you don't apply to the Robson Trust unless you've met with the Robson Trust. That's just an example. But they're very unlikely to give money to people they've never met. And that makes sense. I don't give money to people I've never met. Whereas when I was younger, I was I was petrified of the idea of contacting the National Lottery and asking for a meeting. So, for example, good example, Creative Scotland. When I started... Um, this post and kind of got into it got used to things and was looking at diversifying funding obviously the board was saying well we need to explore creative scotland and i was thinking i have absolutely no idea how to get funding out of creative scotland i looked at their website and i was bamboozled and i thought this doesn't say anything about or very little about participatory arts i just don't know where to start so i asked for a meeting and that was the way to go I didn't know what category Glasgow Can would fit under. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, if you think you do deserve funding, but you don't see where you fit in, well, just contact them and they can tell you whether you are a fit or not. And what Creative Scotland said was, well, you could be a fit, but let's work on this together until our, our missions align. Brilliant. And that was such a big learning curve. Like, it seems so simple, but then a lot of people just wouldn't. They would just yeah. be totally bamboozled by the website. Maybe you have a stab at it and not hit the mark because they, they've not had that conversation. They've not mm-hmm. been steered to, to the right person who's going, right, okay, this is actually what you need to do or this is what you need to write. Or Yeah, it, it seems so simple, but then you know a lot of people wouldn't think of pick up the phone like oh who am I thinking that I can speak to somebody you know I can have a meeting exactly and I just didn't take no for an answer as well I think having learned my experience with with chaos where I walked away which was the right thing for me to do at the time I think I was exhausted as well I've been running an organization for four years and I was exhausted yeah I mean being just a part of an organization who was funded and lost their funding uh, you know and we we did a fair bit of campaigning to try and get funding and to try and change our situation. You know, I was made redundant, um, you know, and just felt really, really helpless. And that's really why I became freelance. It wasn't through choice. It was just like I'd been in this job that was lovely, you know, and I was, you know, I was in it way longer than I ever thought I would have been. So I was really, you know, grateful for that opportunity. But, it, you know, it was just like, right, 
we, we can no longer exist and the whole organisation closed and it was just like right you know and I didn't have any experience like we're saying of applying for funding or whatever and actually in hindsight you know I'm like oh, that I should have probably paid more attention at that point of how to do a funding application you know I was just relying on somebody else whose job it was to do that but yeah no so being on the receiving end of you know like you don't have a job anymore pretty scary it is pretty scary and that's that's what I would say to any kind of artists listening who haven't gone into the funding world is actually once you do get into it, it's very very empowering because you call the shots you're not having to necessarily um income generate in the traditional sense you can get funding from an organization for your work and get to carry out a project exactly how you want to do it you get a period of time whether it's a year two years or however long it is where you're not um just trying to make ends meet all the time and chasing the dime where you can actually really get into a piece of work because what I used to feel for being honest sometimes as a freelance worker with lots of ideas I'd be working for organizations that I really like but in my head I was thinking I wish I could do it like this so the only way you could do it like that is if you go and get your own funding on your terms and you're liberated by that what you want to do exactly so now I'm in the very great position of of project managing and putting in funding applications and, and calling the shots and then getting and giving work to other freelancers which is fantastic because um, I love you know getting that yes letter and thinking oh I get to meet new videographers and new dancers and apart from reaching people in the community through the work that we do which is obviously number one number two is creating work opportunities for other artists that's the thing that gets me most excited because the arts have been through such a difficult time over the last 10 years um the amount of cuts to be able to bring money into the city and and give people opportunities for work is is really rewarding and it sounds like you've got a lovely job not an easy job but a very lovely and very important job you must you must feel a lot of job satisfaction when you are working with people who just are coming to you for help and you're able to offer that yeah something that came up which is a common thing is the rate that artists get paid so sometimes when people are putting in joint projects and you will have experienced this i'm sure is that sometimes kind of youth organizations and other kinds of organizations can get a bit taken aback with the kind of artist hourly rate Mm. and they say well that's not how much a youth worker gets paid or that's not how much um, a children's worker gets paid and it's a huge point of discussion because for me children's workers and youth workers should get paid more for a start it's not it's not a case of let's bring the artist rate down (laughs) because that's not very good so (laughs) let's advocate for workers across the sector and try and push other hourly rates up and also emphasize that an artist's hourly rate is covering everything it's not just covering you cl- you don't just clock in and clock off as an artist it was so it's trying to get other sectors to understand that there's a hell of a lot of prep work that goes on to an hourly or two hourly session you know you you might spend five hours four hours choreographing the dance before you go to the school you've got to get there you've got to run your car you've got to do invoices so being self-employed is completely different to what you would pay an 
an hourly rate to an employed youth worker. Hannah, I'm just going to take you everywhere I go for now. And <laughs> before, before I get in, you know, talk about doing any sort of work, I'm like, here's Hannah. She's going to explain what I actually do. <laughs> so true, though. And, and I get it if you're not in that world and, yeah. you know, you, you're, you're, it's not your initial thought to think, right, what is this person actually doing? It's just like, right, you know, I need to get the job done. You know, working with schools. I get it. Money, money is not my favorite subject but yeah it does come up a lot you know you don't just turn up and do the thing it's mm-hmm. all the prep you know and quite often the prep is way longer than the actual like contact time but in that contact time it means that you are doing the best job you can do because you have done all the prep exactly and you're getting it's about we keep using the phrase high quality you're getting high quality you could get a youth worker who is excellent, who has some experience of doing crafts to do a session within their remit, that's fine. That is not the same thing. If that's what you want to do, that's cool. But that is not the same thing as bringing in a trained participatory artist to deliver a project. And I think there's still some of that, you know, you love what you do. And so you would, of course, you would want to do it. It's, it's great for your profile. It's, it's, it's great for, you know, for your CV. And you're like, yeah, I know, but my, my CV is not going to, I am so <laughs> sick of that. Do you know who the who the worst for that is musicians? The amount of time that people think musicians just want to do stuff for free. It's like, oh well, you you want to come and perform at this because you know you'll be on telly, and the musicians musicians have to go. No, actually, I need to pay my mortgage. <laughs> like I'm not I'm not bothered about being on telly. I'm forty years old. I'm uh, I'm not bothered about the exposure. I need to feed my children, and and we're no spring chickens. I think I'm well beyond the point of feeling grateful <laughs> for somebody giving me work. Maybe when I was eighteen and. And the thing is, as you say, it doesn't come from a bad place. You know, and, and if they can't afford it, they can't afford it, and that's fine. Exactly, but then it has to be a different thing. So it has to be the youth worker running the craft session, and that's fine, but it's it's not going to be this big, amazing outdoor mosaic project that they had the idea for. It actually just came up the other day. I was running um, the funding webinar that I was talking about, and it was about, like, funding for participatory arts and they had loads of new people which was great to see and they took questions at the end and that was that was one of the questions they said oh it's all very well what you're saying about putting the line for this and the line for this and the line for this the budget but what if the school wherever you're working with comes back and says no and I said well tell them you can't do it then and I think that takes a lot of confidence and it takes a lot of assertion because then the project might not happen but do you know what the likelihood is it will happen. They'll come back because they want it to happen. So one of the things um, that Glasgow Can does, which is a definite passion project, is we run a programme called the Bold Collective. And that's for emerging young artists. So you can be, you can get involved with the Bold Collective from as young as 14. So, yeah, so it's for, it's funded through the lottery. They have been amazing. Thank you, lottery. Um, mm. And we just got a new grant for the next three years from them, which we can officially announce, which is very exciting. And that's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. And they gave us, the, they gave us the maximum they're allowed to give us as well, which was, a hundred thousand pounds which was oh my goodness well that just shows you how important it is how good the work is and how much they believe in what we're doing so it's for 14 to 25 year olds and we have uh glasgow can as a youth arts committee because we felt that 
we didn't want to be making decisions about the kind of creative provision that young people want, that it's young people that need to drive uh, what young people want. So there are a committee of kind of 16 to 25 year olds who are all based in the city and do not come from conventional artists' backgrounds. Do you know what I mean? These are normal young people who have an interest in the arts and are all perhaps interested in becoming producers or they might have a visual arts background, but they have to have an interest in making projects happen for other young people. Got you. Great. So again, it's a bit like participatory arts training. So we've had young people that have been on the committee um, for a couple of years or we've had young people that are much are much newer and one of the things that we work really hard for the committee is for it to be as accessible as as possible Mm -hmm. so we have make sure that we have travel expenses in place so sometimes I'll get approached and they say look by by somebody say look would some of your uh, young people like to come and help out with this project and I'll come back and say yeah if you pay them 18 pound an hour and they'll come back and go what and i said well that's our trainee rate because they need to get the bus they need to buy their lunch and also they're trying to develop a career in the arts so how are they going to have a career if they're not being paid right i mean it's all well do you know i mean getting work experience and you know, being an yeah. intern you know that there's a time and a place for that kind of thing if it serves you there really isn't a budget there but it's something you want to do and that's that's your decision to do that but people need to be paid for the work that they do. So we have it that the young people, when they're coming to committee meetings, that that's voluntary. So that's a voluntary element of what we do. Um, although you do get all your travel expenses back and you do get food while you're there. But if we are running an event and the young people are delivering workshops at the event, then they get paid. Great. I love that. Because they can put that on their CV. They can say, I am a paid artist. Because we just feel that if it's all voluntary for young people who are over 16, over 18, that we're part of the problem and we don't want to be part of the problem. Well, so when does it stop then? When do you start paying them? Exactly. And it means that they can go to other organisations that are part of our membership and say, oh, well, I get paid £18 by Glasgow Can and, and hopefully they'd match that or improve on that. We wanted it to be inclusive as possible, that we could support any additional support needs such as autism and um, deaf, young deaf artists. So we work with partner organisations like Birds of Paradise and we've all been on training for autism and uh, deaf awareness and things. So it's a fascinating project. Mm. So it's kind of on hold a wee bit at the moment because obviously it's very participatory. So we have fortnightly committee meetings and then we run workshops and events but we are staying in touch online and um, supporting the young people if they've got any particular needs during this time because obviously they're all stuck in their houses as well and then once hopefully restrictions lift we will be getting back out there and running workshops everything is free and one of the things I do is work it's almost like a mentorship so if you get to know a young person you work with them for a while then um, you might support them to think about applying for art school or or something like that. Um, so it's again, it's helping young people pursue careers in the arts, um, especially young people who wouldn't normally have that kind of advantage in life. That's tremendous. That's absolutely brilliant. Well done. That sounds just the bee's knees because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's important that, you know, those who are currently, you know, 
working in the arts, you know, that they are supported and they feel they can ask for help at any stage in their career, but also that those coming up don't see all of these things that we've been speaking about as a barrier to them because of where they came from or what they're, you know, they're interested in. Or like you say, you know, they're not come from an artist's kind of perspective um, that they see that there's an opportunity and a way in for them. So how many people yeah. work at Glasgow Can? What does Glasgow Can look like? Yeah, so it's quite an unusual setup in the sense that there's only actually three core staff members. So there's myself, a director, and then we have the Youth Arts Coordinator who heads up the whole collective programme. And we also have a membership and marketing administrator because before we had her, I um, was doing everything. I was, <laughs> I was doing the website, I was doing the social media, I was doing the membership recruitment, which actually takes quite a lot of work because obviously you have to process new members. You have to see whether this is the right fit for them. And then you have to follow up their kind of immediate needs because usually why people join is because it's something in particular that has driven them to join that they want some support with. So we managed to get enough funding together to create a new post. So that was, oh, it's hard to remember now, but it was it was last year we recruited um, her and that has been an amazing boost to the organisation because um, she's also an artist. Um, so she's a visual artist, she's a painter from Glasgow School of Art, but she's also very, very good at all the online stuff and very organised. So there's three of us in the office. We have an office in South Block, mm-hmm. of Wasp Studios. We have a lovely office. Um, we used to be based in a cupboard somewhere. I'm not going to say where it was, but it was a cupboard. I saw the opportunity online that Wasps were looking for new social enterprise tenants because Glasgow Can is a social enterprise. So I jumped at the chance and our big window looks out the back of the Tron Theatre, which I just love. Nice so I could see like sets being brought in and out the back of the Tron, which I just love. So we're based there, and but it's quite often not just the three of us in the office. So we have 11 people on the board of directors, and the 11 people on the board of directors are all active in the arts. Three of those uh, board members are young people, so also sit on the Youth Arts Committee. So that's our sort of system. So say we've got like 10-ish people on the Youth Arts Committee, 10-ish people on the board. A lot of those people are kind of in and out in the office as well because it's our hub, you know. So although it's just the three of us, it's often not just the three of us, which is really nice. I love that, though, that people on your board are actually active. Yeah. And, you know, because that is so, so important. You can sit down and drink tea and eat biscuits and talk a good game. But if you're not in it and you don't get it, then to affect change and to act, you know be a really kind of important part of what it means to be in a you know on a board and yeah. and make change that is so important that you understand from an artist's point of view that the hurdles and the things that you need support in yeah exactly so we've got about three young people about four freelance practitioners one who's freelance in funding and the three others who are freelance in the arts who are just just like us just out there doing it and mm. Then the other three or four members are um, senior arts managers. So they are kind of my peers, but also my mentors. 
So Helen Mill, who is our chairperson, is the executive director of the Village Storytelling Centre in the Southside, which is an amazing organisation. So Helen does my support, my kind of line management. So that works really well because she's a line manager. Um, so she's really good at it. But also it just gives me that kind of peer support that I need as well. Yeah, so of course. It works really, really well. And um, and we've got Treasurer Jane, who is semi-retired, but very experienced. She used to run, she used to be involved in running children's classic concerts. So she's really good at the finance side of things. Thank goodness. Yes, we need those people. It's quite often what boards lack, in my experience in the past, is that people can find finance quite frightening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel that we're quite confident when it comes to that and I think that's really helped our success and we also have a freelance finance officer who works freelance for a few different organizations so she does our kind of monthly accounts and payroll and so I I get a lot I get a lot of support because I found when I worked at Chaos I spent a lot of my time doing processing invoices and doing spreadsheets and actually kind of ate up the creativity a wee bit. You end up like you spreading yourself too thin. It's great that you're able to do all these things and you're, you know, you've got so many skills in your armory, but at the end of the day, do you know what I mean there are only so many hours in the week and you're trying to help as many people and get as many people on board. So if there are people that you know are experts in their field that you can be like, can you do this? This is your kind of remit. That's great. That frees you up to to do to oversee so many other things that are more important to you to do your job the best that you can totally and something that I didn't appreciate when I was at chaos that I learned to appreciate that that not everybody needs to be employed by the organization so Mm. our finance person is freelance and that suits her and you only actually need you know five hours of finance a week really you you know if you're running quite a small organization and same with our website stuff like that we just bring freelancers in to do that and I think it helps the economy because it helps give work to freelancers and it also means that you can get a broad range of broader range of skills and obviously you need some core staff but I'm much more confident now about um, bringing freelancers in for all kinds of things when I used to think of freelancers I just thought of arts freelancers You're like, oh yeah other people freelance <laughs> and it suits them and that's great and the other I was just thinking there that another kind of favorite element of my job which is one of the reasons why I think I was quite keen to take the job when I realized that this was part of what it was about was I get I get to sit on quite senior Glasgow-wide forums representing the arts so I sit on the Glasgow Third Sector Interface Network so kind of every six weeks I meet at GCVS in the West End which is sort of hub for the third sector in Glasgow and I sit with managers of you know Disability Alliance and Volunteer Glasgow and Shelter and Bernardo's at that kind of senior level and Mm. we, we meet for two hours and it's quite serious in a good way um to kind of make decisions and advocate for the third sector as as a group um so that's been fascinating because i get to represent participating arts um i get to be the kind of expert around that table which i really enjoy and i also get to find out about what's happening in other sectors so you know whether it be the homeless sector um early years sector so it helps to keep me up to date with what's happening on the ground i I just i really look forward to those meetings and, and reading the minutes and actioning 
uh, collaborative, you know, sometimes obviously partnership working and sort of collaborative approaches come from those things. I've learned so much um, from being part yeah. of it. So that's, that's been really good. Yeah, I really commend you for doing that because I think that's really important um, to have your finger on the pulse and to open, you know, I always say the phrase like, you know, every day's a school day and mm-hmm. it sounds to me like you are constantly pushing yourself all, all the experience that you've got you know and it's great and that you you are an expert in your field but that you are constantly seeking out that learning that knowledge to understand you know the world around you in order to make your organization work better basically for the people that you're supporting i love glasgow can <laughs> I, I feel i feel like i feel guilty that i i didn't know about the amazing work you're doing but I know that you said in your email that in the time that you've been there, you have been able to up your membership. There are more people getting involved. And obviously, you're not going to say that's totally down to you, Hannah. I, I get that. It's obviously a team effort. There's lots of people that are involved in Glasgow Can. But it sounds to me that you've done an excellent job in the time that you have been there. Oh, and thank it sounds you. like, I mean, I know we're not sitting face to face and I can't see you, but I can totally, like, I totally get the, the the vibe that you're extremely passionate about this job yeah I am it's it's grown with me if if that makes sense all the things have kind of aligned for it to be like my ideal job and um and it grows and grows in, in ways that are really exciting mm-hmm. and even during this crisis it's really kept me going because I know that I'm I'm helping people even from from my house and I'm just so glad to have that mm. focus and it was one of the reasons, as I say, that, you know, I wanted to do this podcast was because I just really wanted to shout from the rooftops about what we're doing and and how exciting it is. So, yeah. Thank yeah, 100%. You. I think, no, no, thank you for reaching out. I really appreciate it because this is the joy of the podcast that I get to hear about what's going on. And you think you've got your finger in the pulse and then you realise there's just a whole world out there of amazing things that are happening, not that far from you. So thank you. No, I really appreciate you to reaching out to me and like you were saying you know the, the community has grown and there'll be people that I guess that dip in and out of what Glasgow can can offer but have you had the opportunity to build relationships with particular artists that you know are coming back with you know amazing feedback and saying you know you've really helped me and uh, you know do you have like a yeah. kind of case study where you're like this particular person we were able to do this for for them and now they're you know soaring because of that Oh, yes. Lots of examples. More individuals, <laughs> I think, that I can think of than organisations. Organisations, we tend to, it's ad hoc and it's, um tends to be organisations, I guess, that are already kind of doing quite well and doing their thing. But when I think about kind of opportunities to soar, um, one of the things we do twice a year is we have a commissioned projects programme. So we get a lump sum of funding from the council to disseminate to our membership through an application process. So we fund about 12 projects a year. So off the top of my head, I don't know, funded getting on like 30 projects since um, I started this job, which has been amazing because I had never been at the other end. I'd never been a funding assessor. And I think that's helped me learn a lot about funding. So that has enabled lots of small organisations and artists to soar, if you like, um, since since I've met them. There's an amazing dance artist called Chazzy B, Chaz B, and he applied 
to us for funding and his application just totally jumped off the page and he'd signed up as a member and he had been supporting some young people in Mary Hill mm. but he didn't have funding for it he was just doing it as a passion project in Mary Hill Central Halls to access uh, breaking and he's just such a great guy so we were able to uh, fund that element of his work which was really exciting and I follow what he's doing and I just think he's doing so well and he has his we also helped fund his annual festival uh, where he where he brings international dancers from all over the world which is really exciting so to be a part of that I think was really good one of one of the other organizations suppose you're asking about organizations that we've helped that I love is an organization called Ecodrama okay Ecodrama are amazing if only I had thought of Ecodrama. Okay. So Ecodrama is theatre that they're based in Glasgow and female-led, which I also really like. Mm. They create drama outdoors. They work a lot with schools, but they also create their own touring theatre pieces. And their van is powered by some kind of vegetable oil, which is amazing. Love that. Yeah. And their theatre set, so once the, the touring piece of theatre, it's for early years families the pieces once the touring piece of theatre is finished the set is gifted to a community garden or a school and gets kind of integrated back into the outdoors jeez oh man how comes that they're amazing so like a zero waste um organization but what we supported with their out to play program and their out-to-play program is when they go to schools, usually in areas of deprivation, primarily in areas of deprivation, that basically have no outdoor space or just have like concrete. And they work with theatre artists and specialists in early years. And basically they create a world with the children in that space. So it might not necessarily be that they bring in all these amazing plants and that they have, because there might be very little budget. They can't just suddenly transform this piece of concrete into an amazing area but they do it through imagination so I know so the young people can imagine that that outdoor space is actually a treasure island or that outdoor space is a jungle and um, so it has a lasting legacy and impact once they finish the project. Other organisation we've supported with funding which is again a kind of passion project is the Scottish Mask and Puppet Centre it's it's a hidden gem and it's based mm. in the West End. I actually did know about them before I worked at Glasgow Can because we had an amazing training session when I worked at Chaos where we worked with one of the artists um, who runs it and to learn how to make shadow puppets. So it was it was a training session, but it was so lovely. And they've also got an incredible collection of uh, puppets including like an original Kermit the Frog and stuff like that um, so children in particular love going there and there's also a little cinema in the building where you can watch um, some very old school shadow puppet films it's a wonderful place and so they do a lot of community and outreach work a lot of participatory work so they joined Glasgow Can and they applied for a programme to bring in kind of puppet artists um, from down south to come and work in communities because that requires quite a lot of financial support to expect mm-hmm. an artist to travel up from somewhere else. And the other thing about 
puppetry as an art form is it spans so many different cultures and client groups. You know, a family can enjoy a beautiful mm. puppet show and also language. It can take, it's an international language. So when I read their application form, it just totally jumped off the page because, you know, English doesn't have to be your first language to enjoy a puppet show. We we were able to support one of their projects, and the actual project was, the actual project was a CPD project. So they were working with schools and training other people about how to do puppet workshops with children. So that was a really amazing project to support. So they were they were my key ones that I can think of. Love it, love it. It sounds like you're just doing so many wonderful things for so many people. Obviously, it's difficult at this moment to see ahead. A lot of people are struggling to 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 look ahead and understand what the lay of the land's going to be. But is there a mission for Glasgow Can? Is there something? Is there like a bucket list? Is there a wish list of things that you would like to be able to to offer and support people in doing? I think what we talked about quite early on in the podcast is eventually be able to join up with a college um, or university to sort of certificate some of if that's the word some of what we're doing especially for young people but for for anyone to be able to do a course in kind of our methodology so whether it be called arts of the community or socially engaged arts or participatory arts whatever it's going to be called and there's a lot of debate around all that so so I think that's a bucket list for me for example Solar Bear Theatre Company they eventually joined up with the Conservatoire and they now have um, Scotland's I think maybe the UK's only BSL theatre course so that's that kind of inspired me a wee bit for the future I think that's a big bucket list other bucket list would be um, to expand more into the south of the city because a lot of our work at the moment focuses just for historical reasons on kind of north of the river and there are a lot of amazing you can be a member if you're in the south but I would just like to have more of a presence and be able to support in the south of the city because it's such an amazing part of the city Mm -hmm. so that's another bucket list thing I think personally is to do more consultancy work so I'd really like to maybe travel a bit more in Scotland and even England training people up on our kind of model we're kind of working on our website at the moment to improve that uh, because it's a good time to improve your website at the moment and there is a bit saying that we can you know we can come and work with your organization either an arts organization or a non-arts organization so it might be that you're already a network but you're not maybe supporting participatory artists that's something you're interested in or it may be the case of going to work with a youth organization or a homeless organization to um that are interested in bringing participatory arts into work with their client groups so i think that's another bucket list is just to meet and work with more organizations they'll need to clone you i think Well, I would say I would say that my colleagues are very much the two people I was talking about I work with are very much of the same ethos. And there's also the amazing board and the young people that we're training too. So maybe I'm very in the much. process of cloning. Uh, yeah. yeah. You've yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love it. I think it's wonderful what you're doing. I think everybody that needs to know about this and you know that that is the job that's all I can offer with the podcast is like spreading the word and hopefully someone will have a takeaway from it and you know and, and that I kind of started this mini series called The Gidgeons 
So you guys are going to be part of that mini series, That's and it's exciting. just people, just people doing really great things for other people because they're passionate about what they do. You guys definitely fit that remit. So Glasgow can are you are definite gidgeons. Well, so are you. Thanks. <laughs> I'm doing my bit. This is just like a total passion project. It's keeping me creative and it's keeping me connected, which are the two things that I've discovered are the most important thing to me ever. Yeah, and also you never know where it might lead as well. This is the thing. You've just got to, you know, embrace the change, haven't you? Just embrace. You've been involved in the arts for so long. You've embraced all the changes and you're thriving. So I didn't tell you about this section, but this is called the thingamabobs. Okay. Well, I think obviously you embody Glasgow can. Um, but you're going to answer these as Glasgow can. Okay. Glasgow can. What does the world need more of? Kindness. Spot on. Spot on. What is the best thing about Glasgow? Um, friendliness, actually. How approachable Truth. people are and how mm. uh, up for a laugh people are. I feel like if I go anywhere else in the world, I, I miss Glaswegians because they're so funny and you can talk to anybody at the bus stop and they're up for it. And I'm that person. I'm that person who'll talk yeah. to you at the bus stop. I'm your pal. <laughs> and I think, I think Glasgow is a very hard city to leave. Like I often think about why have I not gone and lived somewhere else? And I think mm. once I moved here from Stirling, I, I just couldn't imagine it's got everything for me. Yeah, and after you, I mean, before we started recording this, but you were saying how many places you have lived in and you have moved quite a lot (laughs) but But, just in and around Glasgow (laughs) because you know nothing against Edinburgh but even going to Edinburgh it's beautiful but it's just it's just not Glasgow now you can answer this personally or you can answer it as Glasgow can right um best advice ever given to you um tell people that you'll get back to them so I used to think I had to answer everything straight away (laughs) Now, this is what you're doing with me. No, no. I'll get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> Not in this, right? But I'm such a people. I'm such a people pleaser, and this is personally and professionally. So I'd be like, "Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that." Or I know the answer to that. But as I've matured, and somebody, a really trustworthy colleague, said to me, "Just say you'll get back to them." And that gives you a chance to think about whether that is something, and this is your personal life, just say, look, I'll have a think about that. A teacher, what a great thing to say. Look, let me have a think about that. I'll get back to you. And it has really lowered my stress levels in general. I mean, I feel like you and I are very similar. I am also a serial people pleaser. So I'm needing to take that advice. That's excellent advice. And that it's okay to get back and go, look, I've had to think about that. And actually, I can't manage that at the moment. Or actually, I don't think that's a very good idea. <laughs> Which I would to never... Be fair, to be fair, you would have been very proud of me yesterday because I did get back to someone and said, thank you so much for thinking of me. And I think it's a wonderful opportunity, but it's not for me. You know, I did nearly tell a wee white lie. And then I thought, no, you don't have to. You can just be honest. And the person came back saying, I really appreciate you being honest. Honest, exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. I can't. I just I just don't want to do that or I can't do that or no. Learning to say no has been a massive learning curve for me. Glasgow can say no. <laughs> <laughs> See, I never came up with the name. The name is great. Um, it is great. But it, it, really does, is great. it does imply that we'll say yes to everything, which, <laughs> which we don't. <laughs> 
actually, we can say no. Basically, can, <laughs> that's that's okay. we can say no. If and when appropriate. <laughs> of course, of course. But we will definitely think about it and get back to you. Yeah. First. <laughs> Best day you've ever had. So I guess that's you being in the time that you've been with Glasgow Can, the best day that Hannah you've ever had at Glasgow Can so far. Oh sorry. God no, there's so there's so many um examples, but yeah, I know what it is. So in the okay. in the summer we went through to the fringe in the summer last year. We went through to the fringe and we took a group of young people and they're some of our youth arts committee and we booked three shows and we put a lot of time into deciding what we wanted to take them to see and some of the young people had never been to I think most of them maybe only one of them had never been to the fringe because it just wasn't something that would be accessible to them and um, you'd think if you lived in Glasgow you would go to the fringe but you know financially it wasn't accessible to them they wouldn't know what to choose they'd probably get quite overwhelmed by the amount of people if they get there so we went as a group and the sun was shining and we went to see these shows and I remember sitting we went to this amazing male dance show thing and I remember sitting and looking along the line at their expressions they know it was contemporary dance and it was funny you know it was just it was just your high it was their Canadian and it was just at the highest caliber of dance you could see and looking at their faces and the joy on their faces I, I could have just cried I was loving it but watching them watching it was just amazing so yeah I think that was definitely it's one of the best days of my life never mind the best days and we also went to see uh, one of our members show she was she was having her first uh, one woman oh, show Cat Hepburn so getting to support Cat in her her show and for the young people who had worked with her in workshops and stuff getting to see her up there doing it night after night and that kills that. Uh, yeah and getting to chat with her after it um was just it was just amazing so, yeah that really that for you is total job satisfaction when you can line up all the the dots and connect them all yeah definitely. and then you know inspiring young people to to follow their passions and that you know it's not beyond you Exactly. You can do this. You can be part of this. You can have a piece of the cake. You know, I think it's amazing. Brilliant. Oh, you're very good at answering these questions. Thanks. I do ask everybody this one. Mm -hmm. And it can be a total personal choice. It doesn't have to be from the perspective of Glasgow Can. What is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? Oh. Now, we were talking about language just at the start of this podcast. Dreech. Dreech. Yes, it does come come up a lot, that one. Um, Glaket. I think I say glaikit quite a lot. Dreech for me, there's nothing else that sums up Scottish weather like that <laughs> word. So I can't imagine that word not existing. Heat the ball. I also love someone being a heat <laughs> the ball. Scottish language has an amazing list of words for idiot because obviously, like glaikit is kind of mm. line with that as well. Uh, someone said to me the other day that I was being really dolly, and I really like that. Um, oh. I think that's quite a Glasgow thing to say it's someone's Aye. jolly. 
because there was loads of words I learned when I came to Glasgow because Sterling's language obviously is different. They thought I was from England when I started working at East End. Oh, like, the kids in the manager were like, where are you from? I'm uh-huh. like, half an hour. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of the, the opposite. I probably said uh-huh. it more like, obviously being from Sterling. But I remember them saying ginger and I didn't know what they were talking about. And I would say juice. And they didn't know what I was talking about. They were like, why do you call everything juice? That's not juice. That's ginger. And I'd be like, right, okay, I think I'm starting to work this out. But also, any fizzy juice could be ginger. So, like, Coke is ginger. That doesn't make sense. I said, look, that's juice and that's fizzy juice. So, I think uh, just learning the difference between Glasgow and Sterling was quite fun. Ginger has not came up, actually. That's so true. It's something that I don't think I would use. But it makes me think of being at like my auntie's house when I was wee and you want a glass of ginger. And actually my aunties were hilarious, my dad's side, because they used to give you like a glass of iron brew, but it was like a like a crystal cut glass, like, like these really fancy glasses. And they would give them you like wings and you'd be like, if you not just get like a normal glass, even yeah. like as a kid, I thought, this is really quite, it's quite decadent, this yeah. glass. Like, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for reaching out and Tell me about your wonderful organisation. And like I guess lasting words from you would be about how people get in touch. You know, what should somebody do if they think, hmm, that sounds like people I need to be talking to, getting involved with. Yep, so um, Twitter is our main point of call because that's the one I use most of the time. So that's at GlasconArtsNet. But also our website is www.glasgocan.org and there you can fill out a membership page and it's free and it only takes about five minutes and then um, someone will get back to you. So those are the main. We're also on Instagram and Facebook and stuff if you just search for us there. But that's how you get in touch. Cool. I'll include all the, those links in the show notes of Thank the you. podcast as well so people can just click and get access to the wonderfulness well thank you so much i totally appreciate you doing this and all the tech stuff in between we got there eventually yeah sorry if it's my laptop no no i have no idea it's just the joy of trying to talk to folk over the internet that's great no thank you so much (laughs) yeah hopefully we'll see each other in real life again one day that would be really nice we're all allowed out yeah (laughs) have a lovely day missus you too thank you so much Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Braw and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.